Thank you for joining us for Downstate Abbey. I appreciate all of you taking the time to tune in as we talk about issues relevant to the state of New York, the state that we love, the people that we love in this state. So many of us have decided that we we don't want to leave, at least not just yet. It's a state and people that are worth fighting for. These businesses that have been completely crushed under these rogue and reckless policies coming from Andrew Cuomo, are they're worth fighting for. And when we lose our businesses, when we lose the structure and the financial backing that businesses offer our communities, it's not long before everything falls apart. I think that that kind of goes without saying. However, the way that businesses have been treated throughout this has been absolutely horrible. If there was, I've often said, if there was a thread of consistency through all of this that we could follow from like head to tail and say, okay, well, that makes sense. That would be one thing, but we're dealing with policies that are so all over the map. They, they are literally defying all human logic. They're not following science. They're not following any sort of a, of a conscience, and they're certainly not doing anything that is truly helping our communities and or keeping them safe. From this platform, we have talked about the bail reform and just how despicable it is that high-level criminals, people who are victimizing women, children, terrorizing communities, committing just unspeakable acts against other human beings are basically given free reign right now because of Governor Cuomo's bail reform, which is an epic fail, disgusting piece of legislation that needs to be burnt up, tossed out, started from scratch. Beyond that, we have the COVID-19 jailbreak that's taking incredibly dangerous individuals. Do not believe it when they tell you that they're low-level offenders only. They're not. Go look up Pedro Vinent Barcia and tell me how low-level that crime was. He was released on March 27th of last year because he was above the age of 50 and thought to be a prime candidate for potentially contracting COVID in prison. Beyond that, this collateral damage of businesses that have been completely, really decimated by these policies is what I want to talk to you about today. We have a guest with us today who um, operates a restaurant and bar in the area and has seen and experienced firsthand just how this horrible leadership is taking our small businesses and destroying them. This past almost year, year of this COVID crisis has been one of, has been the largest transfer of wealth in world history. We have seen the ultra wealthy become, you know, exponentially wealthier. And we've seen small businesses just completely flattened, obliterated, and many of them will never ever bounce back, ever. So I want to bring our attention to our guest today. I'll give her some time to introduce herself and talk a little bit about her her business, her industry, the impact that she has seen over the past almost year, and just talk about some of the policies that have affected her, her staff personally. And I just want you to hear from the heart of somebody who has stayed in an area and provided employment for people, supported industries, you know, our food vendors, all of the peripheral industries that restaurants support the way that agriculture is directly impacted by the restaurant industry. It, this is huge. This is absolutely huge. So I'd like to take our attention and welcome our guest today. If you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the history of your business and and anything relevant to what we're talking about today. Well, thank you, Abby. I am Shannon Lamora, and I run the River Roadhouse in Rotterdam Junction. I've uh, been in the restaurant business since I was about 15 years old, uh, so definitely not nothing new and it's my passion it's what I absolutely love I always say that I have the best job in the world I get to socialize for a living <laughs> I get to serve food and drink and laughs and make people happy and bring people together mm. uh, so definitely always the best job um, that took a very hard turn mm -hmm. um, this past year it, it turned into a nightmare mm -hmm. to say the least I mean that would be an understatement um, <clears throat> I always thought that bars were recession proof 
right? We we're, people are always going to go out and gather. They're going to have a couple cocktails or they're going to enjoy a meal together. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that's becoming more and more difficult, and we're losing more and more businesses to be able to to do that. Um, you got to look at our, our staff, what we have to go through, the different protocols that we have to follow. It's very uncomfortable, which makes customers uncomfortable. Um, if you go to all the different restaurants, no two restaurants are following the same protocols either. We mm. all read that 14-page document of regulations. And you got to look at, you have the SLA regulations, you have the State Department of Health regulations, and then you have your local like county, for example, I'm Schenectady County Department of Health. If you go to those three websites, they all contradict each other. They mm. have three different complete list of protocols uh so we don't know what to do and it's all about perspective you know you read those and you say okay this is what we think is we're going to do but then you go to the next place and they're doing that then you get every customer that comes into dine in your area well how come you can't sit at the bar well how can we have this well this person's doing it and this bar is doing it and that restaurant does it or how come this one isn't open and this one's only for takeout because we don't know which way to turn (laughs) we don't know but god forbid god forbid you make a misstep you're going to catch a fine right exactly it's not clear here follow this mess but if you if you take a misstep here's a fine and here's an example of that um it was i believe the date was may 20th and we had just we were just open for takeout we Mm -hmm. were shut down on march 17th of course so just for takeout so we're just open for takeout and we had an sla investigator come into our restaurant and watch over the place for a few days now it was the exact day that andrew cuomo enforced the mask now i'm there working all day i wasn't watching the news nobody called me to tell me so i wasn't wearing a mask Mm -hmm. i was six feet away from everybody else behind the counter the only one working behind the counter then my mother came in to help me so we weren't wearing masks and the two cooks in the kitchen were not wearing masks because they were not mandatory just that morning (laughs) so this sla investigator comes in and watches how we conduct business so i i brought out a to-go order to a gentleman who then decided that he said, you know, what do you want? What do you got for a cheesecake? So I told him what we had for cheesecake. And he said, I'll take a slice. And he goes, you know, grab me a drink because we were able to give drinks to go. We had previously never been able to give to go drinks. Right. So now we can. So that's cool. So he asked for a can of of PBR. Mm -hmm. So I handed him a can of PBR unopened. I went back and grabbed the cheesecake. And while I went to the back, he opened it and took a sip at the bar. A couple days later, I got a certified letter from the SLA that we are facing suspension and or revocation. Mm. So then we have to retain counsel. $967 later, we get a letter back from the SLA that states that a gentleman took a sip of a to-go drink at the bar and that the employees were not wearing masks. And so $967 later, we're still waiting to see if we're going to receive that $10,000 fine or that suspension of our license, which... I, I don't see the logic in there, but if somebody can explain that to me, I'd love to hear it. Uh, there isn't any, and that's that's what I mean between that thread of logic, that thread of consistency throughout has it's not there. It doesn't exist. I mean, you could watch any fast food restaurant operate 24 hours a day, lines out the driveway into the street, wrapping around the block, and it, who may or may not be following the protocol. Let's be honest. Most places were horribly short-staffed for a lot of different reasons, much of which hinged on the $600 incentive to not go to work every day with the mm-hmm. unemployment you know, boost that people got, which, you know, in and of itself, I'm not going to say it was evil, but it was definitely very misguided, and it caused a lot of damage, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So how 
how in the world can we take a leader like Governor Cuomo, who is who these are his directives. These are his directives that are directly impacting you and potentially causing you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars because someone took a sip of a beverage. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's really laughable. It's just as laughable as when he announced that you had to order something substantial yeah, so in order needs to, to drink prepare your food. Somebody yes. needs to physically prepare your food and serve it to you for you to take a sip of alcohol. Because that's when you're most safe. There, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It makes no sense. It defies all human logic. And right around that time that you're talking about, there were enormous drug busts happening across the state in which drug dealers, high quantity drug dealers were found with huge quantities of drugs, huge quantities of fentanyl, and they were released with appearance tickets. Mm -hmm. So explain to me how we're decriminalizing behavior that is destroying lives. It's destroying lives. It's destroying our communities. It's destroying our children's futures. But you, a small business owner, employing people, providing a place for people to gather, making a living for yourself, saving for your retirement, providing all of that to our community, a guy takes a sip of a beverage and you're going to be levied with the kind of fine that is totally disproportionate to any of that. But the guy that's peddling the fentanyl and how many how many overdoses are we up to this week, Jeff? Like we're in the 30s of just this area, overdoses. So the people that are peddling the fentanyl get the free pass. We'll see you in a few months at court. You get levied with a fine, legal fees on the spot and this looming over your head. Most most business owners, 10 grand could be enough to totally put them under. Most most of these business owners are barely hanging on. They've cleaned out their retirement. They've taken second mortgages out on their homes to keep it floating. And this creep of a governor is going to put you under, but let the pet, the fentanyl peddling derelicts have their businesses open. It is wrong. And what and you know the strip clubs were able to open before the gyms were. Yeah. I mean, look at mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. look at Adalis Club down in South Jersey. What, what the hell these guys have been put through because they wanted to open. The city came and shut off their utilities. They they had a fund, I think it was like 73 grand people had given them for their legal fight. The the state of New Jersey swooped it out of their bank account one night. This is abuse beyond we have never seen abuse of power like this in this country. We we just have we haven't. So what? That was May. Um, so that's that's been quite some time from then until us sitting down together now. What what did the rest of that year look like for you? I'm sure March to May was pure hell. I mean, <laughs> well, the rest of it was because you're constantly you have you think you're on puppet strings. This is the authority. The SLA is the authority. They can come and, take and tell your our license. listeners what the SLA stands for. The State Liquor Authority. Okay, thank you. So you know they have the upper hand. They ha- you are on their puppet strings. So. <laughs> we sit there constantly watching our backs wondering every customer we don't know that comes through the door wondering is this the SLA what are you doing making sure nobody's doing wrong this we is sick became, this is sick absolutely <laughs> I'm not in customer service anymore I'm a corrections officer pretty much I tell my customers what they can and can't do that's not fair so, of course, how do, you th- how do you think they react to you? Now, it's been time where everybody is understanding. I will say, if we're going to find the positive in any of this, w- people have way more respect for restaurants than they ever have in our staff mm. because they are doing everything to keep us afloat, and they are treating us like gold because they know the struggle that we have been through. Yeah. And yeah. I do, I will say that people are waking up and saying, this is not fair. This is not I always right. said it's not the government's job to protect my health. It's the government's job to protect my rights, and they are definitely not. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and talk about causing horrible stress and horrible health issues for people who are just trying to survive, just trying to, to flow. I mean, it's it's disgusting. I can't imagine the rates of anxiety, depression that people are going through because everything they've worked hard for their whole life, not only their livelihood, but that of people that they employ, is on the line at any minute. I mean, I've ta- I'm talking, and I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I'm talking to people in the long-term care facility field, and they're saying the same thing. They're saying the state comes in like a bunch of creeps that just want to find some reason to levy some enormous fine on you. And they do it by way of like a $10,000 a day fine for the most trivial things you can possibly imagine. They're doing it to that industry. They're doing it to your industry. They're doing it to everyone across the board. But the drug dealers are free to do what they do. I mean, if we look at the bail reform and just go through and look at all of the professions that are represented in those 200 crimes that are on the bail reform, if you're a peddler of child pornography, you get a free pass on this. You get caught during this, you get a free pass. You get an appearance ticket. You can go jack an ATM, and if you get caught, you're going to get an appearance ticket. But you, busting your butt day in and day out as a restaurant owner, have to live with that anxiety and pressure and constant threat of, are they going to shut me down? Stop it. I mean, really, how how many of us are there that think the same way? Because I'm starting to think that there's a lot more than the media is letting on to. We've had enough. We've had enough. Most of our government officials couldn't keep up with you until lunchtime in your world. Getting up, busting your butt, Mm -hmm. prep work, bills, paying your vendors, meeting the truck to unload the truck. They cannot even imagine what goes into running a place like you run. So from May on, still nightmare, right? Well, I mean, we lost all of our catering business Yeah, also. there's that. That's yep. a big part of our business. Sure. I had 29 parties booked in the, in March. I had 29 parties booked for the season. That's just, that's not including what we could have taken on. Sure. And I did six parties that were a fraction of what they could be. We lost $600,000 in catering sales. A minimum. That's just what I had booked. Yeah. So there goes our entire season, all of our equipment just sitting there, the staff that we could not pay, that we could not keep on. So who's paying for all their unemployment? Yeah. Great question. I I guess we're going to wait for the federal government to to bail that mess out too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. The government, they'd never say it's, you know, the taxpayers' dollars. Yes. Correct. Correct. And only, I guess, those of us paying attention make that connection. (laughs) But at any rate, um, what have you seen, just because you have a vantage point, a lot of people don't. I mean, we, we have a lot of businesses... You know, whether it be large-scale food vendors, whether it be Cisco, um, Driscoll, U.S. Foods, what, what's been your experience in talking to people in those industries? Because they employ a lot of people in our areas. And what, what's, your, what's your feedback from them? Well, that is a great um, topic I'd love to talk about. I really respect all of our vendors that we use, and it was heartbreaking for me to have to pick and choose which ones we could and couldn't because of the minimums. Um, You know, we're obviously stocking a fraction of what we normally would. Mm -hmm. Um, Reliable Brothers out of Green Islands, for for instance, are they are the most reliable company I've ever dealt with. They have the perfect (laughs) name. They are wonderful. Um, You know, I dealt with Cisco. I dealt with uh, Driscoll's and... What else? I go to Restaurant Depot a couple of days a week sure, also. Sure. Um, but we had to take out a vendor. So we had to stop dealing with, with Driscoll. And then you see the, the stress on the salesmen that mm-hmm. can't meet their quotas and their minimums yep. that they, they don't know what to do. And then they're getting demoted. And then their leaving companies are getting laid off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's heartbreaking. And then I get all these – then they re, you know, reroute their – 
their employees, and then all of a sudden you get a new rep. Well, I've dealt with my reps for four years. They know me like the back of the hand. I don't want to start my business over and have to run somebody else through. You like, sent me the wrong sauce. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> well, and not only that, but you can't get product. Well, right, Here, that too. We, yeah. We're a business based on consistency. Yeah. People love us because we are consistent, and yeah. now I can't get my product, yeah. so I can't even sell what, we, what we're in business to do. Yeah. You know, so it, it's so frustrating. Every day we're reconstructing our business. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to figure out what route I'm going to go. Am I, what's the point of even at one point I said, why sh- we should just stay open for, for takeout or carry out mm-hmm. or should we do delivery? Then I started looking into maybe Grubhub. But OK, so some stranger is going to come pick up your food and bring it to you. I don't know how safe that is either. So which which way do you go? <laughs> well, I know I, I laugh because it's like the first time I ever used Grubhub. We were staying at a hotel up in Saratoga and I I ordered and my husband and I looked at each other and like this is so bizarre that we just summoned a stranger from the Internet to bring us our food. I mean, and it's it's same with like Uber, like you know, my generation growing up, like call when you get there, call when you need a ride, um, whatever. And now now we're at a point where you literally summon a complete stranger to come pick you up where you live. <laughs> drop you off. I mean, it's just what a world we're living in, right? Oh, I know. What the a wild time. But, right. I mean, the consistency there, like, just none of this makes sense. They they certainly aren't breathing down the necks of a lot of these hugely high volume, you know, corporate food industry giants, such as, you know, fill in the blank, whatever, you know, the drive throughs as well as I do that we go past every day, but crushing, literally crushing the small business owners who probably, if I were to bet, probably have a higher, higher degree of sanitation procedure. I'm, I'm not trying to generalize here, but the, the picking and choosing of who can be open and who can't, there is no thread of consistency throughout it. There just plain isn't at all. I always wondered why after, so when the 10 o'clock rule came into effect, so COVID only happens past 10 apparently, but how come Walmart is open to 11? I can walk in, grab a six pack, cash out, and they don't lose their liquor license. Right, right. It's mind boggling. It's truly mind boggling. And there's this perception that we're being kept safe by these policies. They're they're literally laughable. They're literally pathetically laughable policies. I mean, they truly, truly are. So you've got, you know, restaurants that have to rush people out. So you're out by 10 so that, you know, some creep from the state who is watching the clock, you know, strike 1001 can levy some ridiculous fine against you. And then where's the pressure coming from? For them to dish out these fines, you have to wonder, I mean, is this how we're going to make up all the money that we've lost by just finding the, the daylights out of whoever's left standing? My, my, my favorite one is, well, we can have 10 tops only, right? Tables of 10. So we can have 10 people from 10 different households come down, sit next to each other. They can take off their masks once they're all touching each other. As soon as they walk away to go to the bathroom, one person can go wash their hands. They have to put their mask on. That makes a lot of sense. Now, for the the SLA, it is not just the State Liquor Authority employees that are out. They don't have enough of them to cover the state with all of the bars and restaurants. So what the state has done is basically – Summons, they have sent out mass emails and their supervisors have all asked all different employees. I'm talking state agriculture. I'm, t- I'm talking state uh, taxation and finance departments. I'm talking any state department has been asked for their employees to take the state credit card. So the taxpayers are paying for state workers to go narc on businesses. They are being asked to go sit down in restaurants to order a drink but not order food and see if they are served. And they are asked to then f- go back and then find those restaurants. Or, and then the SLA, you have them high-fiving each other 
on a picture in an article when they reached the million dollar mark of the revenue they've brought in for their fines. That's well, disgusting. how much revenue did you not bring in from sales tax? Because we're not selling a, a fraction. I mean, I was at 40 percent in the month in the month of November of what I was the year before. So mm -hmm. how much revenue is not coming in because we can't sell? I, I have capacity. I can serve 32 people at a time. Mm -hmm. We want to talk statistics. 90% of businesses fail. Restaurants fail in the first year. That's why it's impossible nearly to get a loan for these restaurants right. from the bank. They don't want to give up. Everybody thinks it's easy. You just walk in and it's a constant cash flow. It's not. Let me tell you, it's not. So... With all this money that's not going to the state, if you want to weigh it out, I'd love to see what those numbers actually are. I would, too. And I did some preliminary research months ago to kind of try to tabulate how much money comes in on the daily in New York State by way of sales tax. And the figure was lower than I thought it would be, which makes me question if it was even accurate. But it was $4.5 in sales tax. Whether Again, whether or not that's accurate, I don't know. They're not taking into consideration, obviously, cocaine and heroin sales You know, that, right. that really aren't being taxed, and that's really not fair. So <laughs> maybe once we legalize all these life-destroying, you know, elements, that maybe then, you know, but at what point, it gets to a point where we have transcended anything that can be quantified by money. I mean, they're literally crushing people's spirits. They're literally destroying our communities. Who is going to fund our, our public schools? I mean, we're talking about re-envisioning public education. I mean, I'm going to step out on a, a limb here and say, you know what? I'm not impressed with what's happened in the past year with public education, but you know what's going to happen? You're going to be demanded to pay more property tax. I'm going to be demanded to pay more property tax, and we're going to be told to, to suck it up or get, you know, get out. Get out. You don't like it? Get out. Oh, really, what's the long-term plan when we go past strip mall after strip mall of vacant storefronts, vacant storefronts, vacant storefronts? What's the plan, Andrew Cuomo? Really, what is your plan other than a colossal bailout from an already broke, beyond broke federal government? What's the plan? Because if people were allowed to do what they do, if business owners such as yourself were allowed to do what you do, this state would flourish, would flourish. But they are literally stepping on the throat of every business owner, and I, I've had enough. I, I am so beyond fed up with this disgraceful display, this abuse of power. It's it's gone too far, and I I know that there are more people like you and I, who've had enough. And I, I just want to let this be a rally cry once again. People, you've got to stand up. You know, you, I was reading, and I don't want to quote it because I, I really try to research what I say before I, I put it out there, but I'm going to go and find out more about this because I was reading about how Italy, after the lockdowns, the restaurant owners decided that they were just going to all open up same day, same time, come get us. Same day, same time. Come and get us. What? What's? And you know what? Would it work in New York State? I don't know if it would or if it wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know because we're dealing with literally a crime enterprise. And you know, the the ringleader is Andrew Cuomo. He truly, he truly, truly is. And I I can't just sit by and watch this anymore. I mean, the few. What What do you see as being the future of your industry? I mean, do you see a light at the end of the tunnel as of yet? Under our current government, absolutely not. Right. Um, I'm going to try to stay positive. I always do. <laughs> I figure right now I'd love to open up a lot more locations because, you know, what do you do when the stock market crashes? You you buy cheap. And I would love to have all those, um, you know, customers when they feel that it's it's safe to come and support us then. Um, so I, I always look to the future. But um, – They've already put these into place, so they know it works. Mm -hmm. So what else are they going to do? You know, we're talking about taxes. I pay $13,000 a year into a school system I'll never have a child going to. What is right. it going to be now? 
Right. Um, these these parents that are trying to work and make ends meet are now teaching their children. The one positive thing I can say about that is I hope they're not teaching them Common Core. I think they're. <laughs> I hope they're teaching them the real way. I hope so too. I hope so too. Absolutely. And it, it comes a point where the, the people really need to rise up and push back against this because this is this is so evil. This is so evil to take industries that are thriving, industries that can can be the means by which people are employed and just just kick it out from under under them. And, and again, these ridiculous mandates, these, re- you know, 25% capacity. Well, guess what? I didn't get to pay 25% of my property taxes. So, you know, same with this nonsense with, you know, nobody has to pay rent until this all blows over. Okay, fine. Put, put, a, put a freeze on property taxes for landlords and fine. You want to be fair? Let's be fair here. But it's not fair. It, it's, it's trying to cripple every industry from private housing to private, you know, nursing homes and long-term care facilities. And that's really what I think is at play here is they just want to obliterate privately owned businesses that, 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 and then leave the state to pick up the mess. You know, you need us. We have to, it has to be a state-run facility. It has to be state-run everything. And I'm and sorry, but I'll, I'll, I will be damned if I will sit by and watch that happen because my conscience will damn me. My, my, the God that created me will damn me because I know what happens when government take over, takes over every aspect of our lives. And they have, they have tiptoed their way in. We're 300 some odd days into 15 days to flatten the curve. And if people haven't woken up by now, you need to, you need to, because nobody, nobody's bailing you out, Shannon, nobody. I mean, I don't know if PPP was anything you were able to to get or utilize for your staff, but at the end of the day, it's it's just a little bit of a flotation device to keep people from completely sinking. And it's it's let people open, let people do what they do. If people want to take a chance of going out to eat, if people want to exercise autonomy over their own bodies and go out and eat at a restaurant, they should be granted that ability to do so. Absolutely. You know, the, like PPP, for instance, I did receive eight weeks of payroll. What week are we in? <laughs> do, 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 do. Let me do the math. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. helpful. Okay. Thank you for that. Yes. So, Andrew Cuomo, where's the rest of it? Where's the rest of it? It's a great question. That's a really great question. And, and you, we, we know that the majority of these businesses that have finally folded, that they're not coming back. They're not. I mean, people are terrified to open in New York because who's to say that these strings aren't going to be pulled again? Get on your feet, boom, knocked right back down. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I know you're you're brave and you're bold, and I'm hoping to see that you you can rise up out of these ashes and make something really beautiful out of it. Yeah, I really hope that that's true for you because our communities need it. We need employment. We need these jobs. And, you know, when you take a look at the restaurant industry and then you watch the, the ripple effect of how that affects our ag industry, I mean, we're we're literally plowing crops under because there isn't enough consuming those crops. I mean, this is such a distortion of all things logical. It's it's breathtaking. The farmers it's- are literally throwing milk away. Yeah. We have starving people. We have homeless shelters ready for the best one of all. I had an employee whose main job is working for the food bank in Albany. Mm-hmm. And they can't, when they're, they have expired food, they can't even give it away. They mm-hmm. have to throw it out. And they can't even accept the farmer's milk that is being thrown away because of state regulations that make zero sense. 
it, it, it's it's yeah it makes absolutely no sense at all so at let's all. let people starve we'll throw out everything else. it's unbelievably wasteful and i i know i know there's processes by which food I, I mean i get that we're not oversimplifying here we're just pointing out the obvious that there's such wastefulness on every level that and where does it lead when you know our tax base is completely eroded private industries are completely gone this is going nowhere good if we don't push back it's going absolutely nowhere good um i i do want to give us i know we're running out of time here but i do want to give you a chance for any final thoughts you may have or any ways that you think that our listeners can get involved and advocate for our communities because it's not just about the businesses it is but it's so much bigger than that so if you just want to take some time to to speak to our listeners i'm often discouraged at how many people say that they don't vote or that their voice doesn't matter Mm. um that is definitely something that i think we need to i always say people exercise their right to vote but they don't do their research they go in, they vote their party line or however. I think that finally that's going to change. I think that the younger generation, because they're now staying home, because they're in front of the TV, because they have to see their parents struggle and their businesses struggle, are finally saying, boy, I should really pay attention to this. I hope so. So I don't think that we're going to be voting party lines anymore. And I, I hope to get the unregistered voters on deck Mm -hmm. and have their voices be heard as well. Um, So I'm hoping that the best thing that we could have come out of this, you know, quarantine is that people decided what is most important, that their family, that their health, that their government control isn't an option, Mm -hmm. um, and that we, our voices need to be heard and we need to save our state because either we're leaving or we're staying here and fixing it. Yeah. So we have that choice. It's fight or flight, baby. Fight or flight. That's right. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I appreciate your time so much today. And I know we could talk for probably hours here, but I, I do think that we've touched on some of the really important you know touch points of this issue. And I, I hope and pray that industries like yours can rise up from this because it is, it's just heartbreaking to watch people pour their blood, their sweat, their tears into offering something beautiful in their community and have it shut down by quite honestly, by governing bodies that haven't had to work really a day in their lives. A lot of our, unfortunately, our public officials, they, they've been born into privilege, they've been born into power, and they've abused it, and it's time to take it back. It's time to take it back and have the people's voice be heard and have our children's futures become bright, because under this leadership, Andrew Cuomo, you, you're snuffing out any ray of hope that any of us have for us to be able to raise our children in this state, for us to be able to live um, in peace and have there be any semblance of a justice system. So we're calling you out, Andrew Cuomo, and there's a lot of us so buckle up it's coming for you we we love you we hope that you'll have a change of heart but you you've abused us for far too long and i i can't sit idly by please tune in again we're going to talk a little bit more about the bail reform we're going to talk about some of the honestly deaths that have been caused this past year because of governor andrew cuomo's leadership the body count under his horrible policies needs to be tracked we need some contact tracing to follow up on dangerous perps who are terrorizing communities especially downstate you can't even bear a firearm in these downstate communities. They, they're not able to defend themselves. We up here at least have options of getting pistol permits and being able to you know, somehow protect ourselves should something terrifying go down. But these people are, do not have that uh, afforded to them. So we're going to talk more. There's some heavy stuff that we've got to work through, but I, I love this state. I know Shannon does too, and there's a lot of us who do love it and are willing to fight for it. So love you all. Do something amazing today. 